Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. number two of extra point on this monday march 20th he's bob kemp i'm kayla mortlaro with you up until noon today as we typically do mondays wednesdays thursdays and fridays plenty of march madness discussion to still get into as we have sunday's slate of action and a brief look ahead to the sweet 16 but as we typically do to get things started on hour two we will toss it on over to our poll questions and reset the scene and we'll start things off here with the kdu 1060.com poll question which win on Sunday was most impressive options are Creighton Kansas State Miami or Michigan State Michigan State continues to lead the way here at 57% of the vote Creighton at 29% Kansas State at 14% and Miami still with no love at 0% of the vote yeah, the only uh, Creighton was the favorite the other three teams were underdogs yesterday and I will say that the Saturday and Sunday games, you know, for the first weekend of the NCAA tournament, uh, you know, I remember you know coming back, you know, last two or three years, being somewhat disappointed in the level of play. I actually thought the level of play the last couple of days was was really pretty outstanding, especially yesterday. So, uh, but uh, you know, it's uh, I think the it helps a little bit. You know, there were a couple upsets, obviously upsets, obviously on Thursday and Friday, but. It also helps the level of play on Saturday and Sunday most years when the teams that are supposed to be playing on those days are actually playing on those days. Twitter, at KDUS AM 1060, local angle here for ASU basketball. Is the ASU basketball program headed in the right direction? Yes, leading the way at 72.2% of the vote. No trailing at 27.8%. This is on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. This is just kind of inspired by Bobby Hurley was asked specifically about the state of the program. And he said on Friday, paraphrasing that, uh, you know, basically, did you watch the game? <laughs> so that's the state of the program. And, uh, you know, obviously they played TCU really tough and, you know, TCU, uh, you know, with a couple of uh, more, a couple of made threes yesterday, they could have beaten Gonzaga. We'll uh, take your calls as well around 11.15 today. 602-260-1060 is the number. Let's get back into that March Madness discussion and talk about Sunday's action. And we'll begin with Xavier beating Pitt 84-73. to Xavier is in the Sweet 16 now for the first time since 2017. As for the ball game, Xavier had 17 assists on 19 buckets in the first half, and they finished the game with 22 assists. Yeah, this was a weird game for, in one way that, you know, they, they scored points whenever they wanted. They got 84 for the game, had 48 in the first half. But they got 48 in the first half, and Sule Boom, who is by far at least the current, uh, you know, the best current Xavier player because Fremantle's out for the season with after the surgery. But he had zero of those 48 points in the first half. Now, in the second half, he got 14 points. And also for the game, he had seven rebounds and six assists. But... 
Kind of a strange game there, and Sean Miller, <clears throat> excuse me, Sean Miller headed back to the Sweet 16 uh, for the uh, seventh or eighth time in his career. One of those two, I can't remember exactly which, and for some reason I failed, failed to make a note of which it was, but it's one of those two. Then you also had this game here, Michigan State and Marquette, an upset. Michigan State 69, Marquette 60. I guess it's just always Tom Izzo time. Here's some nuggets on Tom Izzo. According to Matt Norlander, that's Izzo's 16th win in the NCAA tournament as the coach of the team with the worst seed. All-time yeah. record, He'll, and that's an all-time record of doing that. He also has six times in his career where Izzo has taken a team seated five or worse to the Sweet 16, which is also a record. Uh, when it comes to the play, I mean, Tyson Walker, that says it all, right? 23 points on 8 of 17. Yeah, he was the man and certainly uh, dominated the Big East Player of the Year, Tyler Kolak, and the matchup of point guards. Kolak was you know, two for eight shooting. Uh, had five assists and six turnovers, and you know, he was the man in the Big East this year, and justifiably so, and they were the team in the Big East. I will say, though, you know, Izzo certainly, and I've talked about this lately, it seemed like he lost his fastball a little bit. This is the first time they've been back in the Sweet 16 since the 2019 tournament. And he was very emotional about it uh, when he was, uh, yeah, Jamie Erdahl is at the center of it all. Uh, when he was talking to Jamie Erdahl, he was very, very emotional about the team making its way back to the Sweet 16. Yeah, and obviously I think what has what's happened in East Lansing and on campus at Michigan State uh, just uh, you know, less than a couple of months ago kind of played a, a big role in his emotion. He's an emotional guy anyway, uh, but, you know, I think that, you know, he – did a lot to uh, you know, help out uh, the situation there, which was obviously a horrible situation for uh, you know everybody on, involved. And I can't imagine being on a college campus when something like that occurs. St. Mary's in Yukon. Yukon on top, 70 to 55. It's the first Sweet 16 for Yukon since 2014. They were just dominant from start to finish. But I think for St. Mary's, losing Dukas uh, seemed to be a major problem. It was a huge difference. Actually, I beg to differ a little bit. I don't think they were in control from start to finish. In fact, uh, St. Mary's led this game with 16 minutes to go, 38-37. And Dukas going down with the uh, non-contact back injury or whatever we're supposed to call this thing uh, made a big difference. He's a really good player for them. And uh, they're a team that is extremely short on depth to start with. And you, know, you take away – you know, one of the three best players on any team at this point. I think that makes a difference, but even more so for St. Mary's. Then you had a Creighton and Baylor. Creighton 85, Baylor 76. This The score is closer than the game really was, and uh, Ryan Nemhard was uh, on fire. 8 of 13, 30 points, 10 of 10 from the foul line. Yeah, they're uh, the team that I've kind of had this, you know, in and out of love affair with. Uh, you know, one day I think they're great. The next day I wonder why did I think they were great. And he was tremendous yesterday, Nemhard, who is uh, part of one of, maybe the biggest barometer of whether we're in love with them or we're not. Uh, but, yeah, he doesn't make shots all the time. Yesterday he made them all. It seemed like he had 30 points, made 8 out of 13 from the field, 4 out of 6 from behind the arc. And also, I think a guy that uh, doesn't get uh, much credit here, maybe they, he does locally, and i just you know, look, looking at the wrong, wrong places. <clears throat> Excuse me. Albert Kaluma, who's a Valley product, he had 11.7 rebounds, and he's a really good defender. 
And uh, yeah, Creighton, I don't think they really had much of a problem in this game, quite frankly. At no point did I think that uh, Baylor was the superior team. Has uh, Nimhard's kind of inconsistent play been surprising to you? Well, he's only a sophomore. I think a p- the part of the problem is when you have a brother who's, you know, as good as his brother was at Gonzaga and is now with the Pacers and, you know, that, that think you know, there's a comparison there. So maybe it's just an unfair comparison. Uh, yeah, he's good. Uh, and uh, obviously when he's as like he was yesterday, he's really good. But he's you know, inconsistent, but he's only a sophomore still. Barely Dickinson. Oh, they tried. They they gave it a valiant effort over Florida Atlantic, but Florida Atlantic comes out on top, 78-70. to 70. Uh, They gave him a heck of a game, and th- this is coming from a team, Fairly Dickinson, that is the shortest team in all of college basketball. They didn't even win the conference title, but because of other teams being ineligible, they made it. They uh, go out there and stun Purdue, and, and then uh, oftentimes you see, uh, you know, th- they get absolutely clobbered in the next round, the round of 32, but that wasn't the case. They, uh, they put up a valiant effort here. Yeah, this was a really good game. Um, yeah, I actually thought it was a really well-played uh, game by uh, two teams that don't have name recognition, needless to say. Florida Atlantic, on the other hand, they, they're 33-3 and now this season, and they've got two guys, uh, you know, they're not seniors right now, but whenever they come out, they're going to be pro players. Maybe not NBA guys, but they're going to get paid by somebody uh, to be, if they want to play, uh, to be professional players. And would have been fun. They have fairly Dickinson that they won this game. They would have been playing in Madison Square Garden in the, you know, the Sweet 16. And that's like, you know, you know depending on the traffic uh, from New Jersey to New York City, that's a pretty, pretty quick drive some days. Some days it's not. <laughs> I saw this. Uh, Fairleigh Dickinson averaged just under 600 people watching their games in the 15 home games that they had this season. But it's in an arena that's only 1,800, but to, that only seats 1,800. But to your point, how many Fairleigh Dickinson fans would be uh, making that trek if they were able to, to have made it to Madison Square Garden? Well, they've been trying to get an exhibition game there. Not an exhibition game, but a regular season game, a non-conference game there for a long time. There's, you know, There used to be a million non-conference games every year in MSG, but that's changed a little bit over the years. But there's still some. I'm sure that they've been trying to play St. John's forever, uh, and that just hasn't worked out for whatever reason. Maybe St. John's doesn't want to deal with it, but uh, that's my best guess. Maybe if Rick Pitino becomes a St. John's coach, he'll say, come on down. Or My, come on up, or however that works. Yeah, whatever the geographical uh, yeah. locations are. Miami and Indiana here. Miami on top, 85-69. to 69. This was kind of a weird game because Miami got off to such a huge lead. Then Indiana tried to claw their way back. They actually took the lead to start the second half. And then I don't know if they just kind of ran out of gas there, trying to put all their efforts into the comeback. But then obviously Miami was able to uh, come out on top, 85-69. Yeah, it was 49-47. Indiana took the lead, and then uh, Miami went on a 14-6 run to go up 63-50, and at that point, Indiana just quit. Uh, so that was a uh, Indiana weird team. I mean, they had a couple of really good weeks, and uh, you know, we at least I got sucked into this thinking that if they get it all together, they have the talent to make a, a run in this tournament. And uh, needless to say, that didn't work out. We liked Miami all year long. Uh, Miami, by the way, is the last ACC team standing 
at this point after uh, the first couple of weekends. And uh, Indiana hasn't reached the Sweet 16 since 2016. Uh, how surprising, though, was, I, I guess, the fact that everyone just was waiting for Indiana to take that next step, and then they just they never did. Not that surprised now. And also just watching them just give up last yesterday. Mike Woodson must be going nuts. God forbid Bob Knight's watching. I'm sure he'd like to climb through his TV or drive to the game and just, you know, shake them up. But uh, it was a really disappointing. Once they fell behind uh, in that second half, they just, uh, they had no, there were loose balls or that they just had no inkling. If you know, nobody in their team had really seemed to care to get to a loose ball at that point, they just gave, they just flat gave up. And uh, I, not somebody to use the word quit very often because I think it's really overused in sports. But they quit yesterday after they fell behind. It was pretty disgusting, quite frankly. I'd be very upset if I were an IU fan. Uh, then you had the final game of the night last night, TCU and Gonzaga. Gonzaga came out on top 84-81. to 81. Gonzaga went on a run in the second half, drew Timmy 28 points, 12 of 21, including a three-pointer, which was his first three-pointer made uh, since December. Mike Miles, 24 points, 8 of 13. How big would Eddie Lampkin have been for TCU because the bigs were in foul trouble all game long? It might have helped a little bit, but he wasn't really playing particularly well at the end of the season. Got benched for performance reasons, and obviously we talked about TCU last Friday, previewing the uh, the game against ASU, and you know they uh, kind of uh, moved on from him a little bit rotation-wise in addition, and with good reason performance-wise, I think there's the bottom line there. I think the biggest thing in this game is that we've uh, I've talked about TCU and their fast break points uh, leading the country in fast break points. I've talked about this for literally weeks now uh, that Gonzaga won the fast break points, you know, scoreboard yesterday. Uh, surprisingly, they actually outscored them in that area. Now fast break points are sometimes difficult to find in college basketball. Uh, and I've got two websites that completely conflict on this, but they both uh, had them at least winning the fast break points Gonzaga. For Gonzaga, did we take anything away from this to say, hey, they can come out of their bracket, we have confidence in them, or does it kind of come down to Drew Timmy just has to keep doing everything? Well, I think this actually comes down to somewhat uh, the UCLA situation. You know, we did see you know, Bona come back from the injury. He's a tremendous defender, 6'10". Yeah, Drew Timmy's been playing college basketball for like probably longer than Bona's been alive. Uh, so he has certainly an experience advantage here, but UCLA is going to need a healthy Bona and somebody that can, you know, can try to defend uh, Timmy. Now, the one thing though, even without Jalen Clark, UCLA still has some good, excellent perimeter defenders. And uh, if I'm playing against Gonzaga, my whole deal is I got to pressure the guards and to make sure that, uh, you know, when Timmy gets an advantage inside, which he does, because he's a tremendous college low post player. I think he'd get eaten alive in the NBA, but we don't care about the NBA right now with Drew Timmy. And uh, he may not even be drafted uh, in this upcoming year, or if, assuming he comes. He has another year of eligibility left, by the way. Are amazingly. you serious? Yes, he does. 
Uh, so uh, we'll see what happens with that. But uh, yeah, so does Jaime Jaquez, by the way. Oh my goodness gracious. I mean, Timmy has been around, it seems like, forever. And I, I know that they expanded some opportunities because of, of the COVID year and everything. Correct. But I thought that he had used that. This was it. This was going to be it for him. But oh my gosh, another year? I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. 602-260-1060. That's the number to join the program on the other side of the break. If you would like to chime in about March Madness, ASU Hoops, the Phoenix Suns, topics galore, 602-260-1060 is the number to join the program. We'll get to that on the other side of the break. We'll also take our first brief dive into the Sweet 16 and the numbers that uh, are available this morning and those matchups for Thursday and Friday and then just kind of how things are shaping up odds wise to come out of the West, the South, the Midwest and the East. But your calls, if you'd like to join the program, 602-260-1060. It is the Extra Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortelaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays and Fridays. Tune in weekdays to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp from 9 to 10 a.m. on KTUS AM 1060, KTUS1060.com, and with the KTUS 1060 app. Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by the Superbook Sports. 602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to join the program as we take a brief look at the Sweet 16 matchups here. Getting things started on Thursday, we have Michigan State going up against Kansas State. Michigan State minus one and a half, Kansas State plus one and a half. Yeah, Kansas State or nobody for me on this game, uh, and likely Kansas State. I'm going to sit down probably tomorrow. I'm going to give this a rest uh, for the next 24 to 48 hours or so and uh, just try to get away from the tournament, quite frankly. But uh, yeah, I liked Kansas State before this tournament started. I th- actually thought they'd be where they're at right now. Maybe not quite the route that they got to this part right now, but uh, I actually thought they'd be in the Sweet 16 and they're there. I didn't think Michigan State would be there. But, uh, you know, I think that uh, Kansas State's the inside-outside combination, I think, is uh, pretty pretty difficult uh, for even Michigan State to deal with. But you've got the... Uh, I guess we now have the Tom Izzo factor again, which we really didn't have for several years, at least since 2019. Uh, we'll get through the rest of the Thursday matchups, and then we'll head on out to the phone lines, 602-260-1060 on the KDOS hotline. So next up for Thursday is Arkansas and UConn. Arkansas plus 3.5, UConn minus 3.5. UConn has been pretty impressive here so far, but Arkansas being able to come back from 12 down uh, and what Eric Musselman seems to be able to pull off in these tournaments too. Yeah, I think this is going to be a rough matchup for Arkansas here. They don't have much depth. Uh, yeah, they're not healthy, even though they got guys playing that aren't healthy because, again, credit to them that they're playing through some injuries. And uh, the fact that Arkansas is at this point is impressive. I actually thought this number would be a little higher than it is. 
Uh, then you have FAU and Tennessee, FAU plus four and a half, Tennessee minus four and a half. Uh, you know, obviously some recency bias here with FAU uh, struggling up against uh, FDU, but then Tennessee in their dominant role over Duke. Is, is that maybe something that we should kind of throw out the round of 32? I might throw out both of them in the round of 32 from what we just watched. I got to reassess FAU here. I uh, watched them probably the least of any team that's still in the tournament, I'm thinking. I think, well, Princeton. I didn't see Princeton hardly ever uh, until really the uh, Ivy League championship game. But, uh, you yeah, know, FAU is good. And as I mentioned, uh, whenever these guys – they got one guy who's a sophomore who's going to be an NBA player. If not, he's going to be uh, getting paid to, by somebody to play pro, uh, pro basketball if he wants to continue his career. Uh, so, but, uh, yeah, I, mean, I need to reassess this entire FAU thing. Then you have Gonzaga and UCLA. Gonzaga plus one and a half, UCLA minus one and a half. It happens to be the 16th anniversary, though, of that classic Sweet 16 game won by UCLA, 73 to 71. Four seconds to play with two steals by the Bruins and five points. In actuality, UCLA scored the final 11 points to leave the Zags stunned. Yeah, I'm going to be on UCLA in this game. I'm not yet. I'm just kind of waiting to see what happens with the number and so forth. But, uh, yeah, just a money line thing, if nothing else, if I have to on UCLA. All right. As promised, we're heading on out to the KDOS hotline. 602-260-1060 is the number. Uh, David and Chandler, what's on your mind? Hey, Bob and Kayla. Hey, I love the 9 o'clock start, by the way. Uh, I, started, I have a standing meeting at 10 a.m. every day, and it was driving me crazy. <laughs> not be able to catch you guys live um to wrap up kind of the devils it's funny this was probably my favorite and least favorite hurley team at the same time and when i mean at the same time i mean oftentimes on the same play so i just love the uh you know the hustle the dedication the defense and never give up attitude but then the decision making would just kill me um especially shot selection and uh you know your the question i saw earlier was in, in the move in the right direction and I, I like the – if Hurley brings in guys like this every year, um, then he'll keep me as a fan, right? I mean, I I love to watch him play. Even uh, – it could be it, frustrating at times. But um, it, the last thing is, like, you know, your point guard just got to be able to hit free throws. I was in uh, Vegas for the Pac-12 tournament, and I know Collins missed a pair. I, I don't know if it was Oregon State or USD at, at crunch time as well, and I just hope he works on that. Over the summer, and then, uh, you know, I saw some reports of Hurley not being happy and wanting to leave, and if that's the case, I mean, I'm just beyond frustrated with Ray Anderson at this point. I'm not sure where he goes now because it looks like, you know, the Patino to St. John's thing has gained even more steam, if that's possible, because I first heard about that during Christmas vacation when we were off for a couple of weeks uh, so, you know, that's his job if he wants it. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And he certainly did. He, he had the opportunity after uh, Iona got eliminated over the weekend, or Friday, I guess that was. He had an opportunity to, uh, you know, say whether, you know, he was – he, he could have just said, I'm not going to St. John's. <laughs> but right, yeah, right. He, he didn't – he pretty much said he was going to St. John's if they you know, officially offered him the job. And I'm sure that there's been – talks between St. John's as his agent for a while. As far as your frustration with the ASU team this year, I kid it, I totally get it. Also, it kind of reminds me, oddly enough, of the UNLV teams uh, for Tarkanian 
uh, the one team that obviously beat Duke and beat down Hurley in the in the uh, chomper, in the uh, national championship game, and then the following year when the Duke players were a year older and they got better and they uh, pulled the upset and beat UNLV in the semifinals in the Final Four. But those teams, you know, if Tark pretty much, if, if you just played your butt off on defense, he didn't really seem to care if you took bad shots. And they took plenty of bad shots, but they were so good that it didn't really matter. Uh, ASU's not to that point. They, they just can't get away with that. But I kind of, I, the philosophy seems to be pretty similar to me. Yeah, and, and I mean, the players in Hurley have even said that they love his freedom that he gives them on shot selection. You just wish at some points there would be a little bit better decision-making. You know, the quick three that Cambridge took on the offensive rebound at the end of the TCU game, yeah. um, I know he makes them, but you just didn't need it right there, you know? Yeah, and he so. obviously had an amazing run towards, what, the last, what, eight, ten games of the season – he did not yeah. have his best game on Friday night, let's just say, and he was still you know, still jacked up that shot. You're right, that was a bad shot for sure. Yeah, so again, um, I'm hoping they're on the right track. We'll see. I, you know, I know Hurley's on his last year, I think, so I'm waiting anxiously for an extension and not news of him leaving because um, I think you've said it 100 times, and I agree that who are you going to get if if he goes, right? I, mean, I just you got to have some, some kind of plan if he's going to leave. Not that they're barn burners, but – and, and if you look at the record, it's not even that different um, from Sendek at the end of the day when you look at, I think, like uh, yeah. net rankings or whatever at the end of the year. However, when you look at this tournament appearances, it's just ASU hasn't done it since Wolk was there, I think. So give him a chance. Well, give him some more time, I think. I agree, but you know, I've never quite understood this sleeping giant thing with ASU, whether it be football or basketball. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, they kind of are what they are. And uh, Yeah, I agree. They would be nice if they had a nice, you know, if they had a deeper run in the NCAA, NCAA tournament occasionally, but uh, yep. that hasn't happened either, including the, you know, the vaunted team in the early '80s with you know five guys that uh, ended up in the NBA. They were you know you know one and done in that year in the NCAA tournament. Thanks so much for that? the call. Thank you. Yeah, Bye. absolutely. Six zero two two sixty ten sixty is the number to join the program, and we head on back out to the phone lines. Alan Phoenix. Hey, Bob, is that the team that beat Oregon State when they were number one? And then, you know, uh, then they, is that the one you're talking about? That, that is the team. That is the oh, team, yeah. of course, with, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, Fat Lever and Byron Scott and Nymphius and Lister and Johnny Nash, who was actually, when they were all recruited, Johnny Nash was like the best high school player in the country or close to it. And unfortunately, he had major, major knee injuries. And, you know, back in the early 80s, you didn't have the – surgical procedures that you have now and guys don't come back and unfortunately for Johnny Nash he was never the same player he was actually in the NBA for a while that's how skilled he was but uh, you know that was the I don't think ASU will ever have a more talented team than that group and this is I wasn't even planning on talking about this but you brought up UNLV shouldn't they be better that program I mean that's just it seems a shit. you know they've they've been just nothing for you know for it seems like for years after well, they've being... gone through some coaches like crazy, including Chris Beard, who was there for like two weeks. Um, yeah. And yeah, obviously, man. you know, they, you know, but now Kevin Kruger, ASU uh, player, uh, who what ended up that? playing, ended up being a transfer there and played for his dad, obviously. But uh, yeah, he's he's now in charge, and they're really excited. He's one of my best friends in Las Vegas is a 
is a big time. He's a UNLV grad. He's uh, you know used to actually do a lot of their games on radio and so forth. And uh, you know they're they're legit. He doesn't get excited unless there's reason to be excited. And uh, you know they're they're looking forward. They have they had a good re- good recruiting class coming in. They always have a couple of really good players, but usually just not enough really good players. Right. Uh, but it seems like that might actually change. They've recruited Southern California, and uh, so I think the UNLV program might get uh, – I'm not going to say it's back to what it was back in the heyday in the 70s and the 80s and early 90s, uh, but you know, then again they broke every rule that was to be broken and some rules that uh, weren't even established they broke back but, in you know, those it should days. Be good. It should be good. I mean, that sound is – you know, that would be a perfect you – know, They love their basketball. They yeah, lo- that, that's it, 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 really yeah. That was a yeah. While I while I hated watching them play and rooted for them because I just thought that Tark was the lowest form of scum, <laughs> yeah, scum that ever has existed. I mean, it, when I lived there, uh, that I lived there from '88 to '94, and uh, it was kind of the you know the, the the pinnacle of UNLV basketball. And by the time I left, it was like hit rock bottom, and the Raleigh Massimino thing was just oh, a disaster. Yeah. And it turns out that, you know, he had a slush fund and all, there was also all kind of, you know, he just kind of, if you can imagine this, he actually kind of uh, just kind of, uh, you know, escalated the you know, scum that was going on with Tarkanian. And you never expected that from Raleigh Massimino at that time. Yeah. God, this boy has some bad, <laughs> some bad memories here. How disappointed are you ultimately in TCU? I know at one point that they could be the national you know, they're national champions. Okay, I got to hustle up because we're up against the break here. Yep. But, yeah, I'm actually not that dis- – I thought they played a really good game. Um, you know, they could have – their weakness all season long was making three-point shots, and obviously that killed them yesterday, as it turns out, against Gonzaga. As always, thanks for the call. 602-260-1060 is the number to join the program. Uh, we will step aside, though, because it's poll question time on the other side of the break. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060, KDOS1060.com, and with the all-new KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. We'll do what's best for the team, and we'll do what's best for you. The Rich Eisen Show, coming to you weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. A couple of things that I want to make sure we get to before we do the poll questions. And first up, we were talking about Drew Timmy, and you blew my mind, Bob, that he has one more year of eligibility. I swear he's been there for 15 years. But uh, somebody tweeted into the show here, which you can do at KDOS AM 1060, uh, Devil Love 90 says Drew Timmy gets more commercials and endorsements in the Spokane area than he would get anywhere else. Yeah. His NIL is likely very nice. I spend a lot of time in the Coeur d'Alene area and Timmy's face is everywhere. Uh, I have no doubt that that's true. Like if he has another yep. year of eligibility, uh, it would make a lot of sense for him to consider returning. 
I'm pretty sure they said a couple of weeks ago before his the last home game for Gonzaga that he you know he was you know is he going to participate in senior night because this may not be his last home game. Uh, and then I was also hearing on the broadcast that they were pumping his his podcast Timmy Time or something like that. Oh, so wow, okay. Yeah, so he's got a lot of endeavors well, going on. And he can swear on there and nobody cares, right? Uh, so, apparently, yeah, no problem I, there. I don't know if I don't remember what network that game was on yesterday with CBS and Turner. Uh, they probably don't care if he swears on there, but he certainly did yesterday. <laughs> yes, he did. All right, I want to make sure we touch on briefly the Sweet 16 games for Friday's matchup before we get to the poll questions here. So let's go through those quickly. San Diego State, Alabama. San Diego State plus 6.5, Alabama minus 6.5. Numbers come in from the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Maybe somebody's scouting out for a better number for me here. <laughs> but I, I'm on San Diego State here. Uh, uh, I think that they, they could really, you know, this reminds me a little bit of the Duke-Tennessee game where you've got all the young players with the exception of the, the senior guards for Alabama. But you got a lot of young freshmen. They're key players for Arkansas. And, yeah, San Diego State goes nine deep, and they are, you know, they're men. They're they they are uh, you know they have quite a weight room there at San Diego State. They maybe should use that more for their football program, but they definitely use it for their basketball program. Miami and Houston, Miami plus six and a half, Houston minus six and a half. Can Miami make some noise here? Absolutely, if they can figure out how to you know basically not turn the ball over, and they do that sometimes. They're total offense against total defense here. This is one of those uh, you know, contrast to style games. We talked about a couple of those matchups last week. This is clearly uh, the eight games uh, we have on you know, four Thursday, four Friday. This is the, the contrast of style game for this week. Then you have Princeton and Creighton, uh, number 15 seed Princeton, plus nine and a half against Creighton, minus nine and a half. Yeah, I still hear people say that Princeton wants to slow it down. I, I think they don't want to get into a racehorse style. But this isn't the Princeton of the 90s and before the 90s where they're going to basically you know, run time off the clock and backdoor you to death. Uh, so this is different. They don't mind running. And, uh, you know, they, I think they prefer to play some half court. But, yeah, you know, they average almost 80 points a game or maybe even a little more than 80 points a game uh, if you count the regular season. So I'm uh, curious to see how this goes. But, uh, you know, Princeton, they're good. They're a good team. And, I don't know if the U of A feels any better now that uh, Princeton's won two games, but uh, I guess maybe they should feel a little bit better, but they shouldn't have lost the first game because they just completely imploded at the end of that game. Xavier and Texas rounding things out on Friday night. Xavier plus three and a half, Texas minus three and a half. Yeah, I can see myself on Texas in this game. I think that uh, Xavier, they're down to six guys, basically, the Fremantle thing. Yeah, I'm really... I'm, I'm glad for the Xavier fan base and uh, maybe even a little bit glad for Sean Miller that they made it this far because I thought that before Fremantle got hurt at the end of January that they were a Final Four team. And I just wondered if they'd even you know, make it out of the first weekend. And obviously they've made it to the second week. Poll question time. We've made it. KDOS1060.com. Which win on Sunday was most impressive? Options are Creighton, Kansas State, Miami, or Michigan State. I'm on the Kansas State side here. You know, I know some people thought that was the best game of the tournament and so forth. I understand the fact that, you know, there were, you know, multiple double, I think there were actually double digit lead changes in this game. There were a whole bunch of them. So I understand that part of it. 
But as far as just the the basketball itself, you know, there were you know these were two teams that this is a brick fest, uh, and they had two teams that continued to throw up more bricks. Uh, they combined to go nine for forty behind the arc. But the fact that you know, Kansas State, which was picked last in the in the Big Twelve before the season started, uh, beat mighty Kentucky, and some people at Kentucky number one in the preseason before all this started. Uh, that's a pretty amazing turnaround, and obviously, yeah, Kentucky was favored in the game, and but I didn't, I don't quite understand why this was a great game because just execution-wise, it really was not a good, great, great game. But you know, as far as scoreboard and, and drama and excitement, and you know, the, the it's not like Kansas State's been a bad program; they've been really good for a lot of years, uh, not every year. And not only the blue blood like the Kentucky program, but uh, it wasn't a complete historical mismatch like some people made it out to be. Yeah, Kansas State started, what, 0 of 12, 0 of 13 from 3, and then they finally made a couple of buckets to make it like 2 of 17 before they hit some key ones there at the end. Uh, They ended up 4 out of 19 for the game. Kentucky was 5 for 21. For me... I'm going to go Michigan State here because I know that there were some questions about Marquette, and it's been a great story for Marquette to win the Big East and to get the seating that they did there uh, and that they showed some holes. But, I mean, for Michigan State to now be representing the Big Ten, once again, Tom Izzo uh, finding a way to to get things done in in the month month of March, I'm I'm going to go with uh, Michigan State here and just how in which they went about winning this ballgame. Yeah, and uh, how they went about winning this is that their point guard Tyson Walker had, you know, basically completely dominated the Big East Player of the Year. Tyler Kolick, uh, Kolick had seven points, two out of eight, had more assists than turnovers, five assists, six turnovers, and yeah, he had a tremendous regular season. And uh, I know he injured his right wrist and had some issues with that in the game on uh, on Friday, but he's a left-handed player, so I don't think that that really played as much of a factor as some. Uh, if I heard people trying to make excuses for him yesterday, and I think that obviously he wasn't 100%, but I mean, if he were, you know, if that was a shooting hand, I'd really you know buy into that a little more than I, you know, I do because that was not his shooting hand that he you know, suffered the injury on, in the first game of the tournament. Masses are on Michigan State, 63% of the vote. Creighton, 25%. Kansas State, 13%. And Miami getting no love at 0% of the vote. That's the KDOS1060.com poll question. Let's flip this on over to Twitter at KDOSAM1060. Is the ASU basketball program headed in the right direction? Don't we do this every year? Well, they, they, they show promise in the, the regular season, non-conference play. Then they under-deliver in-conference play. Then they make it into the, the NCAA tournament play-in game, and we think that there's something we can attach ourselves to here and believe that there's going to be a, a difference moving forward. I, I think the real question, though, for me is, do both sides, do ASU and Hurley, want to keep going down the road together? And I think that that first has to be established, and then we can kind of see if there's going to be some growth and some direction in the program. I, I do think that there are some things that I always wonder about, though. Why every year does it seem like someone does get disciplined and therefore removed from the team? That kind of sticks out in my head as well. And then making sure that we set our expectations, I guess, properly as well. Like, what is the ceiling and what is the floor? 
Yeah, I actually think that we haven't really addressed this question the last couple of years because they were bad. Uh, the last two seasons, and it was you know a disaster two years ago, and that's a team that at least one genius, and I'm raising my hand, take my word for it here, because uh, I'm obviously a genius, but at least one genius thought that they were Sweet 16 material with all the talent that they had entering that season with Josh Christopher and Bagley, et cetera. And that turned out to be a disaster. And, you know, COVID did play a role for sure in that. Uh, they had to, they were you know, ravaged by COVID issues. They had to you know, shut down for at least a week that one year. Uh, that, that was the year that they had to shut down for a week because of that. But you know, really, as far as at the end of a season, which was a you know, whole season, et cetera, you know, I think this is the first time we've actually asked this since uh, really the 2019 season. Because unfortunately in 2020, that's the Hurley team that I thought, and I think most other people thought, was at least at the time of the tournament, uh, most catered or most uh, designed to make a deep run or a run in the NCAA tournament. That was the best team that he'd had, at least in uh, in March. You know, they had a, a nice seed in the uh, Pac-12 tournament, and unfortunately... For them, uh, the Pac-12 tournament got shut down, and obviously the next, uh, you know, the next week the NCAA tournament was called off. Yeah, I absolutely look at that season with you, uh, saying what could have been. Could that have changed the trajectory? If we're, you know, three years down the road, are we having an entirely different conversation? If they were able to make a, a Sweet 16 push and just kind of change the perception of the program, we won't yeah. know. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I mean, obviously, that season laid the, the the foundation for them having that great recruiting. You know, Josh Christopher would have never come here. I'm just guessing he would have never come here if it was. I know he had a brother that was already in the program, etc. But I, yeah, he had he had opportunity to play anywhere he really wanted, uh, and he came here. And I think that the fact that they were so successful that season is it played a big role in his decision. Uh, we have the masses out in front, at, yes, at 73.7% of the vote. No sitting at 26.3%. This is on Twitter, at KDOS AM 1060. And moments ago, Matt Norlander of CBS Sports tweeting out that Rick Pitino has accepted the St. John's offer and will become the next head coach of the Red Storm. He'll be formally introduced on Tuesday at Madison Square Garden. Real quick on that, uh, yeah, Norlander just did a story in the last couple of weeks about Patino. Uh, he went and uh, visited Patino and uh, at Iona, and uh, so this is good. I mean, and actually, Norlander and Gary Parrish, their podcast, which I you know, more than occasionally reference and listen to this morning <laughs> before we did the Sports Zone, uh, that's the first time I even heard about the Patino thing, and they were talking about this possibility literally in December. If you haven't already done it, pick the winner of the Basketball Bonanza by going to KDOS1060.com and entering the Basketball Blitz contest from Desert Diamond Casino, West Valley. If you correctly pick the winner, you'll go into one big pot for your chance at $2,000. While you're at it, head on over to Desert Diamond Casino, West Valley and check out Winner's Sports Bar. Winner's Sports Bar serving up great food and drinks surrounded by wall-to-wall screens, plus Arizona's best local sports book. And a $25 voucher is available right Right now, two winners, Sportsbook. Uh, all you have to do is call 602-260-1060 and be caller number two. 602-260-1060, a $25 voucher to Winner's Sports Bar at Desert Diamond Casino, West Valley, is now. 
Carving out time in your afternoon for the Doug Gottlieb Show right here on KDUS AM 1060, 100.7 HD2, and KDUS1060.com. Weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. Returning here for the final segment of Extra Point on this Monday, March 20th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today. And it's that time once again, Bob. It is thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever and whatever else. If the cracks also our guest today, David Kenyon from Bleacher Report around college basketball, which included... Uh, some ASU, U of A, and UCLA discussion. Also, sound day courtesy of CBS, TNT, uh, also TBS, uh, True TV, Bally Sports Arizona, and Fox. And special thanks, as always, to Kayla and Corey and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. Noon to 1 o'clock, it is Sports Map Radio, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, the Sports Zoo with Dave Rooster Beerstein from 5 to 6, Monday Night Golf with Ray Adams from 6 to 7, and James Out West starting at 7 o'clock tonight. Historic ratings for March Madness Thursday and Friday. Thursday averaged 8.4 million, up 2% from 2022. And Friday averaged 9.3 million viewers, which ended up being the most watched first round uh, ever. So lots of people tuned in. Yeah, I'm guessing this is similar on Saturday and Sunday. And as I mentioned earlier in this hour, I actually thought that the games the last two days were better in the – round of 32 than we've seen as far as just quality of play uh the best it's been in in several years running team usa beat cuba 14 to 2 to send usa to the world baseball classic finals trey turner he is on fire the grand slam to beat venezuela and then he hit two more home runs on sunday uh at least according to some early reports here it's going to be a merrill kelly start on tuesday for the championship game team usa will face the winner of japan and mexico which takes place today yeah, not that I'm an expert in the world, but I'm not John Paul Morosi, who lives for this. God bless him. But uh, I'm surprised that Team USA has made it this far because it just seemed like their pitching staff was not in shambles, but in high, you know major questions about their pitching staff before the tournament began. Obviously, Cortez and Kershaw, who were supposed to be on this team, dropped out. Uh, you know, Cortez injured and Kershaw, like there was some concern from the Dodgers part of things. Uh, and the fact that they made it this far with this pitching staff uh, tells you, I guess, a lot about their uh, their their you know offense and their defense too. They got tre- they're a tremendous defensive team, and I haven't even watched any of their games, but I've watched all their players play in the past, and they can catch the ball. I'm certain of that. As always, thank you for listening to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. If you're not listening to us live, you can still podcast the shows with the KDOS 1060 app. So make sure you're downloading and taking advantage of all of the listener rewards that we have available to you as well. Everyone have yourselves a fantastic rest of your Monday. The Sports Zone with Bob Kemp back with you tomorrow at 9 a.m.